Broadcasting from Mr. Manatee's Casual Grill. I'm overlooking the canal behind Mr. Manatee's Casual Grill in their back room. It's lovely here with their wooden tables and the delicious food that permeates the air. Oh, matter of fact, my assistant Jody is indulging in... Um, oysters, the same thing I had, and they were good. Fried oysters, and that's the voice of number one New York Times best-selling author, Debbie Maycomber. And you hit number one again this past summer. I did. Number one on two books that were uh, actually category romances I wrote in 89 and 90, and they reissued them with a new cover, the two books together, and they hit number one on the New York Times list. Now, even as we speak today, as when, when you leave Mr. Mantis, you're going to finish up a brand new book, and we're going to celebrate tonight. Uh, I want to know... What, what do you come up with your ideas? Do you already know the, uh, the germ of the idea for the finale of this book? Or will you go into an inspirational mode and go into flow t- uh, this afternoon? No, I know. I always plot my books out all the way through. Oh, you do. And so I know exactly how the book's going to end. The surprising part about this book is, one, this is a book I didn't know I was going to be writing. I had already plotted the book I was going to be writing when Mrs. Miracle, the Hallmark movie that came out in December of '09. Uh, was such a success, my publisher wanted me to write another one, and it looks very much like Hallmark is going to be doing another Mrs. Miracle movie for Christmas of 10. Oh, so it's Mrs. Miracle Continues. If this one is called Call Me Mrs. Miracle. And so will it star the same if it does go on? It, uh, who, who's the lady that starred in the uh, first one? Uh, Doris Roberts. How was she as a person? Oh, my goodness. I think the world of her. She's magnificent. Just, Why? Tell us about her. She is just a wonderful human being. She, If you've been around anybody that's mega successful, especially in, in the Hollywood set, they are often so caught up in their own publicity, they believe it. And she is just a genuine good person with a, a big heart and a big yeah. talent. In total contrast of someone you just met the other day, we will not mention his name. He is a very best-selling author, but within minutes you said he sat down and uh, and said... Well, he just was pretty full of himself. I mean, he, he just made sure I knew how successful he was and how big his house was and how many houses he had. And and that's often the case when... when um, and, and I'm not going to you know say anything against him, but... That's often the case when we take our eyes off God. Yeah, because the, the, we're, sm- we're all small in, uh, in, the, in the sight of God, right? Absolutely. And I mean, everything we have comes from God. I guess if you don't get a true handle, the, the funny thing is this individual espouses to be a dedicated Christian. You would think that you would think that would etch some humility in the guy's heart. Well, I, I think so, and I, and I certainly am not going to judge his relationship with God, and, and the things that he have, has written has certainly touched my heart and, and helped my growth in God. So, yeah, I mean, it's not for me to judge. He just, he just wanted to impress me, I think. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, how, many, how many books a year do you write? Oh, Rhett, let me think. Um, actually... Uh, about four. I'm, I do three fiction books, two full-length fiction books, one a half size, and then I write a non-fiction book. Uh, okay, so how long does it take to write the typical book? About two to three months. 
Do you ever? What do they call that when a writer puts the paper in the typewriter and there's just nothing comes out? Writer's block. Does that ever happen to you? Never. And I'll tell you why. Writer's block is just a subconscious way of telling you there's something wrong with the story. If you go back, you'll find out that there's it made a wrong turn. And uh, really, yes. And I think uh, for a long time, you know, it isn't easy to write. You know, there are days I don't feel like writing. I, there are days that I sit down and I think every word I have written is just pure garbage. But I just press on forward. And if if I sit down and I thought, there's something wrong, in your gut, the writer knows, in their gut, they just know. And oftentimes I'll just go back and I'll say, oh, this is where it took the wrong turn. Let's talk about your journaling, what you do every day. You start at the age of seven journaling, and they now say that if you commit something to paper, you have like a 97% chance of achieving it. If you don't, you have about a 3% chance of achieving it. How did you start journaling, and would you agree that journaling has, in fact, somehow crystallized your thinking and, and, and made you successful? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, well, I didn't start when I was seven. I started uh, quite a bit older. I, I must have been about 12 or 13. I, I had... Um, uh, I have journals from, oh, probably 30, 40 years that I've kept. And I have more than one journal. I have a gratitude journal. I have a prayer journal. I have just a, a journal that I keep that with the gr- sayings my grandkids, the funny things that they say. So I've got a number of journals that I keep. And, and um, it has helped me crystallize my thoughts. It's how I process the day. And I think back over it, you know. And it certainly... Um, has shown me the growth in the, and uh, the way I think and, and helped me to cl- uh, crystallize my goals and the things I want to do. An interesting story. I found uh, a couple of years ago, I was looking for something I had lost, and I found a tablet in a drawer, in the bottom of a drawer. And I had written it in 1982 when I was... Or, 1992. I, I was just starting in my uh, career building an audience and getting, I had been publishing for 10 years, and I wrote down five things that for me at the time were totally impossible. I mean, movie deals, uh, lengthy tours, audio books. I mean, the things that were out of my realm at that point, but I was exercising my goal muscles. I was putting down things that were beyond my scope. That, I, that what I have to, it was, you know, it was dreaming big. When I found that, every single one of the five things on that list had come to pass. I had committed it to paper. I, and I think in many ways when we do that, our subconscious automatically starts working on ways to make that happen. Oh, is that, oh, that's what you think. That happened to me. I took a course in my 20s. And I wrote down 12 things. One was a brand new van, a brand new cabin cruiser boat, a trip to Israel, being on a national TV show, the release of a song nationally. Anyway, six months later, friends at my house, an older lady who was a Christian, she said, well, that's amazing about your list. I said, what list? Don't you remember the list? I opened up the bottom drawer. Everything had come to pass on that list. So that's it. So the sub, huh? In six months? Yes. I'd gone to Israel. I'd released a song nationally. I was on Pat Robertson's 700 Club to debut my music video we shot in Israel. I'd had a song released on a record. That's when they had records back then. It was number one in the North Pole. <laughs> Singing to the Chosen Frozen. Right? <laughs> the Frozen, Chosen Frozen? 
that's great. That's funny. Uh, I think it was big in Virginia, but it, after that, it kind of fizzled out. But anyway, but the point is, though, all those things, and I took possession of a brand new cabin cruiser, and I didn't have, I did could not afford one. What I did is I cut a deal with a guy to advertise his business, to handle his advertising, and in exchange, he said, don't pay me a dime. I want that boat, and I'll work for you for two years. He, he paced back and forth, and finally says, okay. He signed the contract, and I took possession of a brand new Sea Ray cabin cruiser. Oh my goodness! And I, see now, it, I, I don't know how long it took me for those things to come to pass, but it wasn't six months. Okay, when now you sold 143 million copies of your books when you first hit it big. What are you? What did you spoil yourself with, or what do you like now? If you reach number one, don't you go out and buy yourself something or reward yourself somehow? Or? Well, I do. Um, when I hit first time I hit the Times list, it, it, it was the timing of it was really a surprise. It was totally unexpected. So I bought a grandfather clock. But then I thought, let's get real here. I wanted to I wanted to have something dangling on my wrist. <laughs> so I got a. Um, in fact, no, I'm not wearing it today. But I I got a gold uh, just a gold band, just a gold bracelet, and I and I wear it a lot to remind me that God brought me to that point where I could go out and afford a gold bracelet. Um, talk about something real personal here, but I, I, only because just recently I've been talking to somebody about giving and the laws of reciprocity. Uh, I, I had to learn this the hard way, but I learned it, you know, and, it, and I saw somebody the other day in church actually put some money in the, in the, um, in the bucket and they got a new client just today because, and I'm thinking, does this person realize the connection? Uh, do you see the uh, definite law of reciprocity revealing itself in your life? I, I, my take on it is that I think God likes to have a relationship with us. So as long, he wants us to recognize that you see you did that. So I'm, I see, so it builds a relationship. Oh, I definitely believe that too. And I believe you can never outgive the Lord. You just can never outgive him. And that there is, uh, I'm sure it's scriptural too, in giving that we receive. And it isn't always... In money, no. you know, it isn't always a new client. It's other ways that God blesses us. Uh, I actually wrote a nonfiction book called One Simple Act that is about generosity and what happens and how people can be generous. And it isn't always with money. Um, I tell the story of a, a friend of mine who was um, in junior high who was, uh, her teacher stopped by and said to her, you're smarter than you think you are. You could be valedictorian of your high school class. He planted the seeds of hope and encouragement in her heart. And when she graduated, she was. And that all goes back. And that's generosity, too. Or my sons at Christmas, when they went out and, and decorated their grandparents' house for Christmas as a Christmas gift to them, meant far more than anything they could have ever purchased for them. Giving of ourselves to others, that's generosity, too. I think that's why Habitat for Humanity is such a good organization, because you're not allowed to be the recipient of a home unless you invest sweat equity in not only in your own home, but in the home of somebody preceding the building of your home. And if, until you do that, you don't get a home. Isn't that wonderful? I think it's absolutely perfect. It's a great way, because... If you don't, if you're not invested yourself, you don't care. And also, I, I want to make sure we put this addendum on this or this caveat that, like you said, it's not always money because you get these preachers sometime on TV. Now, there's good preachers, and then there's maybe not some that I don't trust too much. In that, it's not always money. You might give to a good organization that is, in fact, feeding the hungry or clothing the naked or doing the work of Jesus, but it may come back that you might have a, a, a daughter that's an alcoholic and she might be healed, or you might have uh, someone who has, you know, there's other ways that, that God can reward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree. 
So uh, the advice out there for somebody who has a dream? Dream on. You know, because God, I believe God plants dreams in our hearts, things that would seem impossible. I mean, if you have a child that says, I want to be on the stage, Mom, I'm going to go to Broadway, encourage that child, give them hope, plant that seed in them, because who knows where God's going to take them. In my own life, I know that God planted that dream of being a writer in my heart, because there was no way, I didn't know anybody, didn't read to the fifth grade. I, you know, barely graduated from high school. There was you were dyslexic and didn't begin reading until you were at least seven, right? Yeah, no, I was, I was ten before I learned how to read. And the, the thing is, I knew that I could never be published if it wasn't for God in my life. And when I had that dream, I turned to him and I gave it to him. And I said, I'm giving my career to you, God. Use me as you will. And that's, that's how I got my dream fulfilled. So encourage our dreamers. Who knows what God's going to do or how God's going to use them. Well, last year we were talking here at Mr. Manatees, and you had sold 100 million copies of your books. This year it's 143 million. That's, that's simply amazing. Well, they're going around the world now. I'm becoming very popular in Europe and um, in some Latin American countries, Australia and New Zealand. So they're building, those numbers are, are growing exponentially. Oh, exponentially. Do you, yes, exponentially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, there's the deluxe. <laughs> I actually corrected a number one New York Times selling other. Yes, good for you, Rod. I needed it. <laughs> um, you know, you sold 143 million copies of your books. Um, by the way, do you need someone to uh, carry your uh, luggage over in Italy? <laughs> Listen, you know, Mark Victor Hansen and, and, and um, Jack Canfield are friends of yours, and they wrote the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, which is one of the most uh, all-time successful series. They've sold 125 million copies. You sold 143. But anyway, um, they had a goal written down of a billion, which seems utterly ridiculous. They just got word that their books are going to be all 225 versions of the Chicken Soup for the Soul, you know, Fireman's Chicken Soup for the Soul, or the Doctor's Chicken Soup for the Soul, or the Mother's Chicken Soup for the Soul. Anyway, they're going to be released in China to teach the children English. You know how many people are in China? They're going to reach their goal of a billion books. Oh, that's wonderful. And those are great books. What a smart idea they had. Because there's a lot of uh, good spiritual things that are weaved throughout those touching true stories that are in the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. But um, once again, I am interested in that book you said about giving. What's the title of your book that you wrote on giving? Uh, One Simple Act. And the reason it's titled that is because it was one simple act that happened to me. I was in an airport and spilled a cup of coffee and embarrassed and having to clean up this mess I'd made in the airport. And somebody in line at the Starbucks saw what had happened and bought an extra cup of coffee and brought it over to me and said, here, everybody needs a cup of coffee in the morning, and walked away. And I I was just floored, and I felt so good the whole flight home. And then I kept thinking about the little things we can do that are really tied with generosity. Wow, and that person has no idea probably that they influenced a a best-selling book. No, they probably don't. I, I don't remember. I mean, I didn't get the person's name or anything. I mean, it was just one simple act. And that's the title of the book, One Simple Act. Right. Well, good luck with your new movie deals and everything else you're doing and uh, Mrs. Miracle and Mrs. Miracle Number 2 and everything. And by the way, in case they don't know who Doris is, she used to be the mother on Everybody Loves Raymond. Right, right. 
Well, thanks for taking time to be with us at Mr. Manti's Casual Grill. Well, thanks for the oysters. All right, yes, fried oysters. They're delicious, aren't they? Absolutely. I'll eat them anytime. See, number one New York Times bestselling author says the oysters are great. The fried oysters at Mr. Manatee's Casual Grill over on Royal Palm Point. They have delicious shrimp, and uh, they have delicious fresh fish, and they have good chili, too. And the soup. You're pointing towards your soup? Yeah, the chowder is fabulous. Okay, try the chowder here, too. Are right, we going to take a little break, and then we'll be back. This is Rhett Palmer broadcasting from Mr. Manatee's Casual Grill over on Royal Palm Point. Hey, who loves you, baby? It's not over yet.